0: Welcome to Matthew's World of Wine and Drink, an educational podcast dedicated to teaching you all about the wines of the world, the different regions, the different styles, the different grape varieties, and the history and culture of wine. Continuing our series on fortified wine, we move on to Madeira, the historic but small island in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, where just four million bottles of Madeira are produced a year. It's a very small production, but historically very important. For instance, George Washington drank a pint of Madeira a day, and Madeira was used to toast the US Declaration of Independence in 1776 when Madeira was at the height of its popularity. So a very special place in the history of the USA. And let's look at the history of Madeira because the history and the styles of the wine are very closely interrelated as is often the case with fortified wine. As I mentioned it's a small island in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean that has a subtropical climate which means it's moderate with temperatures of 20 degrees C on average all year round although it does rain quite a bit with intermittent storms hitting the island from the Atlantic Ocean. And as we'll see, those moderate consistent temperatures are perfect for the aging of Madeira. The island was called Madeira by the Portuguese because when they discovered it in the 1400s it was covered in wood. And Madeira is still part of Portugal, although it's semi-autonomous, it is still part of the country. And Madeira became the last stopping off point for ships bound for the Americas, Asia and Africa. And so what those ships would do, they would stop in Madeira and bring on goods that were sold on the island, such as food and crops and other items to be sold um, when they arrived in America's Asia or Africa or wherever their destination was. And that, of course, included wine. And that was wine to be drunk on board as well as to be sold once they arrived at their destination. And that wine was non-fortified. It's just a regular either white or red wine. But on the journey, which would take about six weeks, alcohol was added to the wine for stabilization in the same way that happened with port and sherry. There's just no way that that wine could last the journey in barrel without going off. And so that practice of adding brandy became quite standard. Furthermore, the barrels were used as ballasts on the decks of the ship in order to hold things in place. And this is what contributes to the unique style of Madeira. So Madeira became fortified with brandy added to it It is also oxidated in the same way that sherry can be uh, because the barrels were left outside without any protection and they were heated in the sunshine as they were left outside in the heat of the day as the the ship sailed across the ocean and that heated um, effect created, created baked aromas and cooked fruit aromas which are unique to Madeira and what that does, it enables the wine to survive pretty much any conditions because it's been oxidated, so it's protected from oxygen, it's kind of used to it, and it's been heated by the sunshine, so it's used to that. And so this style became so popular in the North America as well as other countries that the style was deliberately replicated on the island by producers who wanted to take advantage of the popularity of this unusual style of wine. And what they would do is send the wine in barrels out by ship for six weeks to sail around the ocean. And this is called Vina da Roda. And so just replicating exactly what was happening when the ships were sailing from Madeira to the Americas, but just doing it with the ships sailing round in circles before coming back to the island six weeks later with the, with the wine having been heated. Or the replication happened by maturing the wine on the island which is called Vinho Cantero. And that's still the basic principle of how Madeira is made today. Those um, heated conditions of the ships being replicated on the island, either in natural conditions or artificially. And we'll look at that um, when we look at the production of Madeira in a future episode. And so, The thing with madeira those subtropical conditions with the moderate temperatures of 20 degrees c all year round makes it ideal for maturing and heating the wine because it's consistent all year round it doesn't get too hot it doesn't get too cold you've got this uh, consistent heating of the wine creating those what are called madderized aromas so madderization takes its name from madeira and it means heating the wine and coming up with those cooked and baked fruit aromas And so that practice would simply be leaving the barrels outside in the sunshine. So, the high points of the Madeira sales were the late 1700s and the early 1800s, and the North American market was the most important by far, with 25 of exports um, for Madeira in the 18th century. And the wine became so popular that demand outstripped supply. However, those were the heady days in Madeira, and they ended in the mid-19th century. In 1851, powdery dilk mildew hit Madeira and almost wiped out production within three years, so an absolute disaster for the Madeira industry. And just to make matters worse, Phylloxera then hit the island and the Madeira economy was in ruins, or the wine economy. In 1870s, vines were ripped out and replaced by sugar cane and rum is still produced in Madeira. And so the Madeira industry went from a height where demand outstripped supply to the point that it wasn't even worth um, having the vines on the island. So a very, very rapid decline. The only way that producers survived this, this disaster was by selling their old stocks. So Madeira is usually non-vintage. there's a very small amount of vintage Madeira made. And so the non-vintage is a blend of the different years. And so producers always have lots of older wine and stock to blend the different years together to create a consistent product. And so those old stocks enabled the, the industry to survive, but only just. There were replantings, but the replantings were with North American vines. So, whereas the rest of Europe recovered from Phylloxera by using North American rootstock as a um, resistant to Phylloxera, Madeira went one step further and actually planted and cultivated the North American vines. And as we know, North American vines do not produce quality wine, and they do not produce wine that really is familiar to us, it's quite foxy and weird. And these North American vines became dominant in Madeira, and the Madeira authorities are still trying to eradicate them and make sure that Madeira is planted to quality vinifera varieties instead. The last big disaster that hit Madeira was Prohibition. Because the USA was um, Madeira's biggest market, Prohibition was quite a disaster in the 1920s. So all of this has led to a massive decline in Madeira, to the point where there are just four million bottles produced a year. What it also means is that there are just a handful of brands left. The most important is probably the Madeira Wine Company, and this comprises Blandys, and Blandies now own it. It was set up in the early 1980s, and then in the 1990s, Symington's, the port producer, bought it, but they sold it in 2011 back to Blandys. and Blandys are the oldest producer in Madeira. and So it's quite important that they own Madeira Wine Company, which actually owns a lot of other brands as well. They own 20-plus labels. And the thing with Madeira is that, It's sold all around the world in small amounts, but each market has an affinity with a different label. So the same wine is often sold under a different label in a different country, simply because of the familiarity with the local market with a certain label. So Madeira Wine Company also owns historic labels such as Cossack Gordon and Leacock. The largest producer in Madeira now is Justino's. And this was set up in the early 90s by an ex-Portuguese soldier. And um, he bought a lot of bulk wine, and that's kind of the purpose of Justino's in the early 90s, was just simply large volume, inexpensive Madeira, which he was buying and selling. But recently, they've begun to by um, older stocks of wine, so the quality of Justinos is getting higher, and they're going into the the more premium market with the age-designated Madeira. So interesting to see how they develop. Then other producers include Borges, Barbeto, which is the youngest, Enriquez and Enriquez, and Dodevere, which is a very old producer with uh, wines going back to the 19th century. And then there's a co-op as well. The biggest markets for uh, Madeira are France, Germany, and the Benelux countries, but they Uh, really for the basic Madeira. And basic Madeira is not that exciting. Where it gets exciting is the quality Madeira. And the biggest markets for this are the US, Japan, and the UK. And this is where Madeira gets most distinctive, most individual, and really emphasising the Matterized aromas as well as the oxidated aromas. So where next for Madeira? It's clearly going to remain small. That 4 million bottle production a year is not going to increase and may even get less than it already is. Madeira needs to find niche markets. It's such a distinctive individual product that it really needs to find those small markets which are willing to pay a little bit more for something um, a little bit different. And this includes matching the styles with the food, so really going for restaurant culture, getting into the sommelier culture that exists in the US and explaining how the different styles of Madeira, which can be quite complicated, going from dry to sweet, pair with different types of food and really emphasizing the quality of Madeira and the food friendliness of Madeira. Another way of um, kind of broadening Madeira's market or cementing that market is emphasizing its longevity. This is a wine which can last decades and decades, if not centuries. The oldest Madeira I've tried is from the 1960s and it's amazing how fresh and alive the wines taste. But you can even buy Madeira from the 1770s for quite a bit of money, which is very unusual, but the wines are still drinkable. Not only that, but once you open a bottle of Madeira, it will certainly last weeks, if not months, maybe even years, even though the bottle is open, and that's because of the way the Madeira has been made. It's resistant to oxygen, it's resistant to heat, so it will pretty much survive anything. And all of this means that Madeira is extremely good value. You can buy bottles of Madeira from the 19th century for less than a thousand euros. And although that sounds like a lot of money, imagining, imagine buying a 150-year-old wine for less than a thousand euros that is still drinkable. But um, more, more kind of accessible and affordable Madeira is still remarkably good value, given the age and the, how long it will last. But the overall challenge for Madeira is making sure that it survives. because it's such a small um, industry. So thank you for listening. That is an overview of Madeira. In future episodes, we'll look at the viticulture of Madeira, the uh, styles of wine of Madeira, and how the wines are made. So this is Matthew, and this has been Matthew's World of Wine.